but understanding your spiritual authority. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the word of God that has standed the test of time. We thank you for the word that has made flesh, Jesus Christ. We thank you that you have engrafted us into the spirit of God. We are now bone of your bone and flesh of your flesh. We are, we are the children of the Most High God. We thank you that you set a banquet table before us in the presence of our enemies. We thank you that uh, you desire that above all things that we prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. Father, we thank you that you are calling all women, all men, all children to your banquet table. You are inclusive. You, you, you invite all to come and partake of Jesus. And we just love you and we praise you. And we thank you that uh, even though that we might be in this world, we're not of this world. We are in this world, but we're seated with you in heavenly places. We are in this world, in the flesh, but we have a new creation, a new reality in our spirits. And as Jesus is, so are we in this world. We just love you, we praise you, and we thank you for the manifestation of the word in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Matthew 28, verse 18 it says, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So as we read this, we, there's a word that I want to pull out of this, and that's the word, therefore. What is Jesus saying? Why is it there, therefore? What Jesus is saying that is, in light of what I just said, in light of what I just said, Jesus was telling his followers, the authority and power that I have in heaven and earth, I now give you. And to continue doing my work of preaching and demonstrating the gospel and expanding the kingdom of God in the earth. See, in my name, Jesus is saying, in, in, go in my name. He has all authority. He has all power. We now have, a, therefore, we now have authority and power. Why? Because of Jesus. And if you remember what we taught over the last three weeks, we taught about authority. We taught about who had authority in the beginning. All authority comes from who? God. God gave delegated authority to who? Man. Man submitted himself, yielded himself to, the, to Lucifer, and made him the God of this world. Satan has no authority, had no authority except the authority was delegated to man that man turned over to him. So God, because he loved humanity, wanted to save humanity and not destroy humanity, he himself became a man put on flesh so that he could have authority in the earth. And, and, and so if you might be think, thinking, what is he talking about? Go back and, and, and listen to the previous messages. And Jesus through the authority of man and by the power of God, 
redeemed humanity, destroyed the kingdom of darkness, took, the, took authority and power away from Satan, and now is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. And when you become born again, the very Spirit of God comes within you because you, you, have, you don't have a remade spirit. Your human spirit wasn't just fixed up with some makeup. No, you're, you, you were dead. You were dead in your sins and trespasses. So God circumcised. That's what the circumcision in the Old Testament is all about. It was a prelude. He circumcised your old man and gave you a new man in Christ Jesus. You've been raised from the dead. You know that? You've already been raised. You'll never die again. What do you mean, Chad? I'm gonna, everybody's going to die. No, you're a spirit. You will never, ever, ever taste death. That's good news. All you do is step from one reality to, into the next. And Jesus is saying, but, but we live in this earth right now. And, and, and people are still yielding to the devil. People are still yielding to the kingdom of darkness. And that's why we have chaos. That's why we have sin. That's why we have heartache. That's why we have school shootings. That's why, that's why we, we have abortion. That's why we have world hunger. That's why we have all the things that we, we blame God for is because men continue to yield to the devil. And Jesus is saying that all authority has, has been given to me, so go ye therefore and teach the nations. Disciple the nations. Make disciples of all nations. You know, Jesus says that in, in the judgment, he's going to judge the nations. And that there's going to be sheep nations and goat nations. And if the church is doing their job, there should be a lot more sheep nations than goat nations. The world is dependent on the church, on the church. The world is dependent on you. Our community is dependent on us. Our school system that, that is cowering. Even though they know what is right, they're cowering to do what is right. Needs the churches to stand up alongside them. But the church is cowering. And Jesus is telling his followers that all authority and power, both in heaven now and in earth, before, God didn't have authority in the earth. Why? Because he gave it to man and man submitted it to Satan. And, and it's funny how many people have a hard time understanding this. When you go through the Bible, you, you see over and over and over again, God always working with man to bring about his plan in the earth. You never, ever see God do anything independently of man in the scriptures after the fall of man. I mean, it's, it's so simple. I mean, you'd have to have someone teach you for you to get it wrong. I mean, you see it over and over and again. So the authority we have as born-again children of God who have been baptized in the very spirit of Christ is far superior than the authority 
of Adam and Eve that they had. Because our authority is, is, is the authority of heaven and earth. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We, don't, we do not have a cre- created spirit of man. We have the very spirit of, of God. And Jesus has won everything back that they lost and much more. But do, how do we walk in the power and authority of Christ? That's what we're going to be unpacking today. I want you to be forewarned, though, that religious folks don't like these truths. And the reason they don't like these truths is because it puts the responsibility squarely on us. It removes their excuse that they use for blaming God. It's so much easier to blame God when things aren't going right in our life. So spiritual authority and power works through spiritual law. Now, when I, I'm going to talk about law quite a bit in, in this teaching, and I want you to understand I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments or the Mosaic Law or laws of that nature. We're talking about, like, natural laws, spiritual laws, laws that are constant, laws that you don't have to have someone tell you that they exist. They just exist because God created the world the spiritual realm and the natural realm to work that way. Like the law of gravity, right? Do you understand? So I don't want you to get confused with what law I'm talking about. In the physical realm, there are natural laws, right? One of those laws is that of gravity. Gravity always works. It is constant. It's universal. It never stops working, right? So if gravity is a constant law, how are we able to get a Boeing 747 that weighs, when it's fully loaded, weighs 875,000 pounds? How are we able to get that to soar through the air? I mean, do we, do we just say, you know, we got to get this plane up in the air. We're going to have to suspend the law of gravity just for a few moments to get from New York City to, Great, to London, England. I mean, is that, is that how it works? No. We apply another law, right? We apply the law of thrust and lift. We apply the law of thrust and lift And this law is also universal and constant. When an airline crashes and they do these huge investigations on the cause of the crash, do they have you ever heard them come back and say, Well, we we deem the cause of this crash is that all of a sudden gravity increased in the earth and it pushed the plane down to the ground and made it. crash. You, you never hear that as a reason. Why? Because it's constant. It doesn't change. It's, depend, it, it's dependable. Do you, do you understand this? The earth was created by God, and it was not a creation of chaos, but one of order and design. I mean, even science sees that. You know, even, even, even 
an atheist cannot, cannot help but see that there is order and that there, there is design within this world that, that we see. There is, and because God created the earth in order and not in chaos, we can, we can be, we can depend that the gravity will never be suspended. You understand that? We can depend on these laws because we can trust these laws. We can build our life around these laws because we understand that it's in order. It's not chaos. It's not sporadic. It's not a phenomenon, right? If, 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 if we had gravity in the United States and in China they didn't have gravity, then that would be a phenomenon, right? But it's universal. It works everywhere all the time the same way. There is so much order in creation. It is so systematic that you can go four years in the past or even 4,000 years in the past and know exactly where every single planet was in that moment in time. Where Mars was, Uranus was, Pluto. It's a planet. I'm just... That you can know where it was in a moment of time. That's how systematic, that's how orderly the earth is. We can forecast solar and lunar eclipse in the future. We can tell you when there's going to be a solar eclipse, when there's a lunar eclipse. You can drive to Tennessee to get a good view of it. I've heard people do that. You know, these, 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 these solar eclipses and stuff like that. You can prepare to see it. Why? Because it's in order. There's laws that are governing it. It's predictable. So it's interesting that Christians will agree and say amen to, yes, God created the earth in order. It's systematic. It's not, he's not, it's not in chaos. But when it comes to spiritual things, all of a sudden, God gets flaky. All of a sudden, we think that God just does things sporadic and haphazardly when he moves in our, in our lives. They say things like, you never know what God is going to do. Or sometimes it's God's will, and sometimes it's not. He might will to heal one person, but not another. He might will to save one person and not another. He might will to prosper some people and impoverish other people. There's really no rhyme or reason with God. He just does what he does. Have you heard that? Have you thought those things before? It's a bunch of dumb, quote the apostle Paul. Order does not come out of chaos. God created the physical universe in order to operate in order and to operate by natural laws. The spiritual realm runs and operates the same orderly way, by spiritual laws, because God himself is a God of order and consistency. He changes not. 
So we need to understand that spiritual authority and power works by spiritual law. In Mark chapter 5, verse 25, it says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, and he had suffered and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she said, If I only may touch his clothes, I shall be well. Verse 29, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched me? Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? Verse 32, and he looked around to see her who had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. This account shows us that the kingdom of God operates by spiritual law. It operates by law. Jesus was being thronged. Everybody knows what thronged is. We use that a lot. I didn't say the other word. I said thronged. <laughs> it means people were crowding him and bumping into him. People were reaching out, touching him, and trying to receive healing. Yet this little woman with the issue of blood came touched the hem of his garment, and instantly the power of God flowed right through Jesus' body, through his garment, and into this woman. So she was immediately healed of the infirmity that had plagued her for 12 years. And when Jesus happened, and when this happened, Jesus asked, who touched me? Why did Jesus have to say, who touched me? Isn't he God? Does he know all things? He was a man. See, this is where we depart. Jesus was a man, and he worked with the gifts of the Spirit through the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not do any mighty works until he was baptized by the Holy Spirit in power. You understand that? Jesus was operating like we should be operating. He was dependent on the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit did not give him a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge to know who had touched him, he didn't know who touched him. He asked, who touched me? Why? Because he didn't know. So what does this tell us? See, most people think that when you approach God, you need to, you, for healing, deliverance, or whatever you, you need, finances, that God sits back, takes a look at you, and then evaluates if you're worthy or not. He evaluates if you're worthy. Are you moral enough? Are you disciplined enough? Have you prayed enough? Or this one, have, we got, have you gotten enough people to pray for you? That's, a, that's something that's always confused me. How many people does it take? I mean, if you got 99 people praying for you, if you get one more, then God will answer your prayers. 
Man. Do you got the right people praying for you? Or have you have have you got the is your how about is your if God evaluates is your circumstance desperate enough? I mean, is it really worth him waving his finger to meet your need? Is it really that desperate? Then if you meet, they think that if we meet all these check marks and are self-righteous enough, he releases his power or not because it's no guarantee. Even if after you check all the marks, there's, there's no guarantee that it'll actually hear, hear your prayers, answer prayers. Anyways, religion is dumb. See, that's not what this story demonstrates at all. Jesus said, who touched me? Jesus said, who touched me? By Jesus saying, who touched me, it shows that he didn't have time to evaluate her. Jesus couldn't look, up or look her up and down and evaluate her and take time to hear from God. Does she, is she worthy to be healed? Jesus didn't know who touched him. And he says, who touched me? And, and, and it was not her self-righteousness or her self-worthiness, but her tapping into spiritual laws that allowed the power of God to flow. Receiving from God is not about being worthy or not being worthy. I've got news for you. Apart from Jesus Christ, none of us are worthy. None of us are worthy. And thank God we're not apart from Jesus Christ. So guess what? We're all worthy. Amen. Hmm. God does not love one person and not another. It's just a matter of law. God established his kingdom to operate under spiritual laws, just like the physical realm works by natural laws. And as believers, with the authority of Jesus, we need to find out what those laws are and cooperate with them. For example, electricity operates by law, right? It's always been here. You know, God didn't just create electricity 200 years ago. He didn't say, you know, these guys need, these candles aren't working too good. So we're going to create electricity, give them electricity, and, um, and then it came into the earth. No, electricity had always been there. It's always been here. We just didn't know the laws that operate it, how to benefit from it. And if we ignore the laws, we, it can be harmful to us. And it can keep us from benefit from it. It works by law. It does not work by emotion. It's a law. It works by law. It doesn't, you know, when, when you grab on to 220 and you're grounded and it kills you, and then when the songbird comes floating through the air and lands on those power lines and it doesn't kill the bird. It's not because it loves the songbird so much more than it loves you. You understand that? The songbird didn't meet the law for it to do it harm. It wasn't grounded. 
It's not emotional. It just is. You understand this? And you, this is the problem where, where most Christians are. When it comes to law, you know, what happens if an electrician says, you know what, plumbing, plumbing PVC works great with water. And it's so less expensive than copper wiring. It's so less expensive than copper wiring. I'm going to start wiring my homes, my buildings, with plumbing pipe. It's a lot easier. It's a lot cheaper. That's crazy, right? Because we understand that the law won't, the electricity won't flow through plastic. But Christians, when you hear how God has set up the spiritual law, the spiritual kingdoms, well, I don't like, I don't want to have to do that. I don't want to have to operate by these laws. I think, I think God's this way. How many times do you hear that? I think God's this way. It's better to say the word says God is this way. So there are some laws. There are spiritual laws. God has set up and created spiritual laws, and we need to discover what they are. As we learn to cooperate and enforce these laws, you will see the authority and power of God manifest in your life. So what, do the, what are some of these laws? In Mark chapter 11, verse 23, it says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says, it will be done for him, whatever he says. In this short little scripture, it says, says, say, 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 over and over and over again, and it says, believe once. And Christians, they like to say, well, I believe, I believe, I believe, and then go out and say whatever they want. The authority, the power only works by through what you say. Well, I don't want to say that. I don't want to say I'm healed. I don't want to say the truth of God out loud in front of people when they can see it's not true. I don't want to say, say, say that God meets all my needs. I don't want to say that I'm a new creation. I don't want to say that I'm a Christian. I don't want to say, I don't want to say, I don't want to say. I'm just, I'll just, I believe. We don't like these spiritual laws. God gave humanity the authority to procreate. You know that? Now, if a woman wanted to get pregnant and prayed and prayed and begged God to give her children, but never had relations with her husband, you would say that that one woman was crazy and shouldn't expect to get pregnant, right? Right? So if, if a person is just begging God to do something in their life, Begging, 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 begging God to do something in their life. Believing God that he's going to do something in their life. And never speaking to their mountain. We should say the same thing. You're crazy. You're never going to get that mountain to move. But I don't like that. I don't like that, Chad. I, there, there's nothing I can do about it. 
jumped ahead of myself. So in the same way, you can pray and pray for God to save you. You can pray and pray for God to save you. But God already provided salvation in Jesus Christ. So you can beg and beg and beg God to save you, but until you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will never get saved. You see that? It's a spiritual law. You can pray and pray and pray for God to heal you, but you will never get healed because God has already provided healing in Jesus. You understand, God gave it all in Christ. All his promises are yes and amen in Christ. He's already healed you in Christ Jesus. By his stripes, you were, past tense, healed. We were saved, past tense. It's a done deal. And you can beg and beg and beg for God, but until you use your authority and speak to your mountain, it will not move. And it's not because of God. See, this is one of the spiritual laws, but people aren't doing the word. When they say, why has God not healed me? It's as foolish as a woman saying, that has not had relationships with her husband asking, why haven't I gotten pregnant? In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, it says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that you may establish his covenant, which he has sworn to your fathers as this day. So one of the... One of the his covenant actually is a covenant to give you, empower you to get wealth. So when it comes to provision, God says he doesn't, he doesn't give us wealth, does he? Does that, does that say that God gives us wealth? No, it does not say God gives us wealth. He gives us power to get wealth. And with power comes authority to use that power. He's in th he gives us the authority to empower us to get wealth. See, God doesn't have a printing press. God doesn't have money. God doesn't need money. We need money. So if you're praying to God, God, help me. I, I need $1,000. I need I have these bills to pay. He doesn't have the money to give you but he's empowered you to get wealth. And he's not going to steal it from somebody else and give it to you, like the government. I can't get on that. <laughs> the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be given, be put into your bosom, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. See, since God doesn't have money directly, he sends it to you through people. God impresses other people, and people will be involved in getting his supply to you. But I don't like that, Chad. 
I don't want to have to give and have it given back to me. I just want to sit on the couch. I just want to open up my wallet and see money in it. Told you we're not going to, religious people aren't going to like this. In Deuteronomy 28, verse 8, it says, The Lord will command his blessing on you in your storehouse. You should have a storehouse. And in all which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Verse 12, the Lord will open to you the good treasure, the heavens, to give you rain in your land in its season and bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Wow, there's a lot of uh, interesting things in that scripture right there. God has promised to bless the works of your hands. Does everybody got hands? Look at these happy hands. Come on. Jazz hands. Right? Is that what it is? What is it? Spirit fingers. Spirit fingers. Yeah. So you got hands. But if you're not setting your hands to something, God doesn't have anything to bless. You can't sit at home and do nothing and expect the Lord to prosper you. In fact, the word says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall they eat. We don't like that. Yeah. Well, Chad, you're just being mean. No, I love you. I want you to be blessed. God is into work. I preached a whole series on work. God is into work. God created us to work. Work is not a four-letter word. Well, it is a four-letter word, but it but it, it's not it's not a curse word. He's into you having a productive life. He he's into you to into you to to create a better world. You're not happenstance. He's got a plan. He's got a destiny. He's got a purpose. He has a vision for your life. But do you? Like I've said a couple of weeks ago, it's not that people aren't motiv motivated. It's not really that people are lazy. The, the issue is, is that they don't have any vision. Without vision, the people perish. God is into work. Read the parable of the talents. Read the parable of the wise steward to see what God thinks about money and what he thinks about you and being a steward and what you're supposed to be doing with money. You're supposed to be causing it to increase in the earth. That's why welfare, as it is currently being practiced in our country, is not a godly concept, nor is it the way of the kingdom. Oh, man, Chad. Now, listen to me. I'm not saying that it's wrong or a sin to need help on occasion. 
We've all needed help at one point in our life. There has always been something. And if you can't look back and say no one's ever helped you, you needed God's help to be saved and born again. We all are dependent at one point in our life. But if you're a second, third, fourth generation welfare recipient, where you sit at home and let other people pay for you doing nothing, that is an ungodly concept. And you're not being mean. I love you. I want you to prosper. I want to see God work in your life. I want to see you have vision and purpose and destiny in life. I want, to, I want you to be delivered from the bondage of poverty. I want you to see you be a blessing to others. I mean, there's a strange scripture where Paul writes and says, he that steals, let him steal no more, but work with his hands so that he might have something to give. See, why does a thief steal? Because he wants to prosper. And Paul says, don't steal no more. Work with your hands and give. When, give? That, oh, give and it shall be given back to you. Press down. You know, I mean, Paul's teaching the, the laws of spiritual laws of the kingdom. Interesting. If you are going to get into the flow of God's divine provision, then you need to, need to start doing something with your hands to release that power and to see God's ability begin to generate the income that you need. God has already given you the power to get wealth, but you need to do something. You need to put your hand to something and be productive. And I'll probably talk about this again, but as a pastor, I've worked with people that are getting government assistance. Like we said, there's nothing wrong when you need help. But the problem is, is that they start putting the principles of the kingdom together. They start putting their hands to something. They start prospering. And then the government comes to them and says, you know what? You're starting to make too much. Now we're going to have to take... You're gonna, we're taking all your child care away because you're, 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 you're making too much. So they take all the child care away, and now they don't make enough to pay for child care. I've talked to people that started working more and more hours and prospering, and the government says, to a woman says, you're not going to be getting as much money anymore because of, you're making this much money. And, and uh, the money that the extra money they were making was less than the money that they were getting from the government. And they literally asked the social worker, they asked the social worker, so you're saying that it's better for me to work less and, and continue getting money from the government. Uh, and that should be farther ahead. And the, what, the person told them, I can't tell you what to do, but some people choose to do that. The system is broken. And you have to believe God. You got to choose who's your God. You got to choose if, if the government's your God or if God Almighty is your God. You got to choose if, if you render unto Caesar or you render the things unto God. You got you to choose who's your source. And, and, and believe that there are spiritual 
principles, the spiritual laws that, you know, I might be making less. And I've seen these people. I've seen these people that had made the decision. We're going to grit it. We're going to cut back. I'm going forward. I'm not going to stay dependent on the government. And they prosper and they can't come out of it. Why? Because God says he'll, pro- he'll, he'll prosper everything that you put your hands to. But you got to choose what you believe. You got to choose to put those natural, those, those spiritual laws into motion. We excuse. Oh, excuse me. I excuse myself. We exercise authority when we take our responsibility and do what God has told us to do. That does not mean we can do anything or command anything we want. I remember a men's thing. We had, once in a while, we, I don't want to get too much in, but you'd have, you'd have people that show up at the men's Bible study once in a while, and all they were doing is checking you out to see what you were teaching, you know. And we were teaching on faith once. And, we were t- and um, they, they make the comment, well, I can't just command the, the, the roof of this church to fall in and, and it's going to obey me. And I said, I, I, actually, I was young and I didn't say anything. But what I thought in my, in my head is, you're right. Because first of all, you don't believe this roof is going to fall in if you command it to be fallen. And second of all, you don't have a promise. You don't have the authority to say that. You don't have the authority. See, see, this is where Christians go off on the other end. They think that they can just name, claim anything that they want. No, if the word of God doesn't give you authority, to, to, to the power won't flow. You need the word of God. You need to understand what the laws are. Every born-again believer has this supernatural God-giving power, but there are still spiritual laws governing how it works. It's just like a police officer. All we can do is enforce the law that's already in effect. A police officer, that's why it enforces the law. Spiritual, we enforce spiritual laws of God's kingdom that have already been established. You understand that? That's why they call a police officer a law. That, He's a lawman because he doesn't, he doesn't create the laws. He doesn't make the laws. He just enforces the laws that are already in existence, right? So we need to enforce the laws of the kingdom. We need to know what the laws are that governs the kingdom of God, and we need to abide in them. If you, if you try to enforce something outside of those laws, it's not going to work. But when you know the laws of the kingdom and by faith act accordance with those laws, then the authority that we have in Christ goes into operation and the power of God is manifest in your life and in the world. So where do we start? Watch your words. Proverbs 18.21, Matthew 12.36 and 37, 1 Corinthians 15.33. God spoke the entire worlds into existence. I would say close to, close to 100% of the time when Jesus performed a miracle or did signs and wonders in this earth, he used words. He said something. 
thinking about that. We use words all the time. We are a speaking spirit. We were created in the image of God. Your words produce life or they produce death. What are you saying? Oh, it never works for me. Oh, it's the flu season. I always get the flu. If, if the flu's around, I'm going to get it. Oh, I just, I'm so tired. I'm 50, so my eyesight should start going bad pretty soon. That's where my, my dad's eyesight went bad, so. We say these things. We say these things. My, di- uh, my, my gran- grandpa died from, from pancreatic cancer. My, my dad died from pancreatic cancer. You know, a good chance that that's how I'm going to go too. Who's your daddy? My daddy's almighty God. What, what do you think? What, do, what, what does Satan use against you? Words. He's constantly talking in your ear. He's trying to get you to believe his words over God's words. Hmm, that sounds familiar. Where did that happen at first? When you stole the authority from Adam and Eve. We need to renew our mind. And how do we do this? We do this through Ben watching Netflix. If you can get six or seven hours straight on Netflix, your mind will be renewed, but it will be renewed by the world, not by God. Start and read about that in 2 Peter in, in, in 1-2 and Romans 12-2. We need to renew our minds to think the way that God thinks. We need to renew our minds to understand how the kingdom works and what are the spiritual laws of the kingdom? Do you know that there's the law of faith? We need to become word-minded. In Romans chapter 8, verse 6, in John chapter 6, verse 63, we need to start seeing ourselves the way that the word says to us. How, how can you become word-minded? You can become word-minded by listening to preachers that preach. The truths of the kingdom. You can you can you can saturate yourself with podcasts and teachings. You there's enough in these last 24 weeks for you to go back. There's so much word. Do you are you walking? Do you truly understand who you are in Christ? Do you do you truly believe that God truly loves you? loves you? Do you do you truly understand your spiritual makeup? Do you truly understand how God sees you now? Well, if you ever have condemnation, guilt, or feel insignificant and unworthy, guess what? You don't. You don't. And I'm not saying that I do all the time. I'm constantly renewing my mind. I'm constantly watching my words. I'm constantly becoming word-minded in the way that I see the world. We have been given authority. Alicia and, and Troy, come on up. I'm going to close. 
you've been given authority, but you have to learn how to use that authority through operating in the spiritual law. The choice is ours. Will we submit to God and resist the devil, or will we resist God and submit to the devil? Will you choose to live in defeat or under, and under bondage of the enemy, or will you take your responsibility and exercise your God-given authority? Because if you do, you'll enjoy more and more the abundant life that Jesus' death and resurrection came to provide. You will live freely in the blessings of the kingdom. And, you will, and then we will have the joy of God using us to bring his kingdom in a greater way into this earth. Because we have been blessed to be a blessing through the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. Church, we are so much greater. We are so much greater than our minds have even comprehended yet. We are called to be world changers. We are called to, to be world influencers. We are called to set the atmosphere of this world. And it's time, time to start rising up. It's time to start seeing yourself the way that God sees you. It's time to start using your God-given authority and, 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 and the, this, in the spheres of influence that's, that you have. Do what you can do with where you're at. Why can't we just make a little slice of heaven right, right here? It's not going to happen overnight. But little by little, we're going to take ground. We're going to bless this community. We're going to prosper this community. We're going to see people set free. We're going to see marriages restored. We're going to see children return, returning the hearts of the father to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. We're going to see captives set free. And it's going to be done in such a way that people are going to say that has to be God. But we got to start believing it. We, as a small remnant of believers here in this little building right now, need to start believing it for ourselves. Amen. Let's pray. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.